Welcome back, Friday Night Friends, to the second episode of our Exorcist double feature, where we're breaking down Exorcist Believer. Sam and I jumped into theaters. Well, we drove to theaters, jumped into our seats, uh, and, and and anyway, we're super excited to actually go see a movie again. The first time we've seen a movie together since season one, when we watched Evil Dead Rise. Uh, however, uh, we have a little treat for you. Turns out Sam tried to trick me into seeing another movie uh, but we recorded a clip for it, and we're going to go ahead and play that for you right now. Here we are. Scary Movie Friday Night. Chris, Sam, Exorcist Believer in theaters. Going to see it. Going to get scared. Going to get possessed, both of us, and exercised today. She looks like she needs to go to the dentist, and she needs a little bit of lip balm on her lips. I have another idea. If we don't want to watch this, we could... Sam, we're, Sam, we're not watching we Hocus Pocus. We're not watching... We're not watching. 30th anniversary. I'm leaving. This is Scary Movie Fright Night, a podcast about two guys who just watch scary movies. I'm Chris, and I love scary movies. And I'm Sam, and I hate scary movies. My body just showed. Give me the heebie <laughs> No, don't. All you have to do is stay inside in your bed, and then you won't get murdered. Okay. Now you have that recorded. Man, that was fun. I tried my hardest to get you to switch to Hocus Pocus, and I'm still holding out one of these days. You know, if you would have just bought the tickets, (laughs) if you would have bought the tickets, maybe you could have got me in there. Uh, Yeah, I actually re-listened to that episode, uh, the one where you tricked me. Oh, it was The Witch. The Witch episode where you're like, oh, yeah, and they lit the black flame candle, and I was like, that didn't That's happen. Right, yeah. You've been trying to get me to watch Hocus Pocus for a season and a half now. Yeah. This is a real scary movie. Well, I'm <laughs> I'm glad we went to see The Exorcist Believer. We got a lot to talk about. So much to talk about. In fact, it was really cool walking out of the theater. I think we immediately, you and I and my partner, Zach, who unfortunately, he's not a co-host on this, on this podcast, but we just launched into debates about this movie. And we I think we, we all did. saw different things and had different opinions. So... This will be a juicy episode. This will uh, this will be good. Sam, overall thoughts before we before we recap it. What you like it? You don't like it? You you or you don't want to tell me yet? There, no, I'll tell you. There were aspects of the movie that I actually liked because I thought I was like, okay, this is different from other scary movies. I mm-hmm. liked the sense of teamwork among the adults in the movie. I know other people okay. were like, that's so stupid and cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I okay. I honestly, I feel like people who love scary movies would maybe not love this one. And I could totally okay. understand why. But as someone who doesn't love scary movies, I was like, hey, look, they're all getting along. They're all working together. I love the like multiculturalism. So I was like, this is a weird, like feel good experience coming out of a scary movie. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I, as the horror movie lover between the two of us, have a lot to say about this movie. Yeah. Uh so everyone pull up your britches and get ready for the ride. I'm just kidding. Your britches are up, remember? Uh, anyway, but but before we get to all that, um, and before I go on my long rabbit hole about what I think about this movie, um, we should probably recap oh, it. Recap, yes. Um, hopefully everyone just watched it, but just in case, uh, or if you need a quick refresher, we're going to recap it. Uh, so Exorcist Believer came out in 2023. Uh, director, directed by David Gordon Green, written by Peter Sadler, David Gordon Green, and Scott Teams. It starred Leslie Odom Jr., Ellen Burson as Chris, re- reprising your role. Mm-hmm. Olivia O'Neill as Catherine. 
Lydia Jewett as Angela, and honestly, uh, a bunch of other people who played some characters of varying importance, and I never learned their name. Um, but anyway, IMDb gave it a 5.1 out of 10, Rotten Tomato score of 22%, with an audience score of 59. Um, and I have an opinion about that as well. Anyway, but Sam, would you like to recap? Yeah. Okay, so here's what happened in this movie. So Victor is a photographer, and he and his pregnant wife, Seren, are on their honeymoon in Haiti. Seren uh, gets a blessing from a voodoo practitioner, um, and they're enjoying their honeymoon, having a lovely time, until a massive earthquake hits. Seren, his wife, is gravely injured. She tells Victor to protect her unborn daughter, Angela. They go to the hospital. The paramedics tell Victor that he has to make a very difficult choice. Save your wife or save the baby. We don't know what choice he makes, but we we flash forward to today where uh, he is living with his daughter, Angela. So his wife is no longer with us. Um, His daughter, Angela, is like middle school teenager. And she goes out into the woods with her friend, Catherine. She wanders off into the woods after school one day, and they decide to do a little seance to try and contact uh, Angela's mother, who died, you know, 15 years ago in Haiti. And then they disappear. The parents, they, they didn't come home from school. They're gone for three days. The parents have no idea where they are. They didn't even know that they were friends or hanging out together. Three days go by, and they find the girls in a barn, like, 100 miles away. They don't remember anything that's happened. They have like burn marks on their feet. And sure enough, unsurprisingly, we know that they've been possessed. So as the days go on, they start to exhibit very strange behaviors. Uh, Catherine goes wild in the church during communion. Um, Angela gets violent and starts attacking people. So clearly they're possessed. But the parents just, they're not really sure what to think about this or what to do about it. Well, Victor's wife, Anne, who we'll all recognize from Handmaid's Tale as Aunt Lydia. Uh, his neighbor, Anne, sees Angela and she's like, this girl is possessed. We got to do something about this. Victor doesn't want to believe it, but she brings a book um, that was written by none other than our ma- main character from the original Exorcist, the actress, Chris. Um, and that's the connection. So Victor goes finds chris and invites her to come help them try and solve this problem um this is like 50 years since her own daughter was possessed and she says okay well we've got to bring we've got to bring people together we've got to do a an exorcism i don't know why you'd think chris would understand how exorcisms work and she wouldn't attempt this but she did her she tried to do her own ritual on Catherine, and Catherine goes crazy and she stabs chris in the eyes with a cross and so now chris is blinded um she leaves she goes off she goes off to a hospital so the parents decide to bring together a group of practitioners they ask a priest they ask a protestant minister and they ask a hoodoo practitioner to come together to do a an exorcism so they're calling this an ecumenical exorcism ecumenical meaning multiple faiths or multiple um branches of christianity now the catholic priest ends up being told he's not allowed to do the exorcism because it's not approved by the catholic church so initially he sits it out they bring the girls into the room they tie them to these chairs they start performing the exorcism and the demon starts speaking through the girls and he says you have to make a choice this is a callback to the uh, victor having to make a choice between his wife and his unborn child and the demon says you have to choose one of these girls will live one of these girls will die Well, the Catholic priest ends up 
coming back in and saying, I don't care if this is approved or not. I'm going to be a part of this. He starts to do his ritual and then the demon um, snacks his snaps. He starts to do his ritual and then the demon snacks. Fuck. <laughs> snacks on his neck. The demon snacked on uh, him. Well, I, I, I guess you could part. use this. Okay. What version did you, did you say? Sorry. <laughs> So he's performing his ritual, and then the demon snaps his neck in half, and he dies. He should have just sat it out. Anyway, so then at this point, things start to get heated. The father of Catherine, Tony, decides that he's going to make the choice. You know, the parents are saying, no, no, we don't want to have to make a choice. We want to save them both. But at this point, the father starts to get freaked out, and he, he says, I choose my daughter, Catherine. And so at, for a moment, we see Angela Flatline's She's dead. We're like, oh, no, this is so sad. The parent chose his daughter and sacrificed the other one. But then, plot twist, the demon reveals that the one who was chosen would actually be the one who died. So uh, Angela comes back. Catherine ends up dying. So, And then the movie concludes with Chris, the original actress from The Exorcist, being reunited with her adult daughter, Reagan, who we had, she had previously told us they had their relationship had fallen apart and she didn't know where she was. So we get this heartwarming ending to the movie when she's reunited with her daughter. The end. The end. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take a diversion real quick because our listeners probably don't know this because we've never talked about it, but I'm a diehard Hamilton fan. Oh my God. So I really wanted some Aaron Burr references in this movie. I knew it wasn't going to happen because when you said they had to make a choose, it made me, it reminded me of the, if you had to choose when Aaron Burr was, a, was running for oh. president, if you had to choose, it's a tie. And then Hamilton came in and decided which daughter was going to die. And that's how <gasps> Hamilton ended. Anyway. Nope, that's the only that's the only Hamilton reference Crossover. I'm going to make this whole time. Can you imagine um, if they had wrapped the entire movie? I probably would have been better. It would maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would have been it would have been it would have been fun. Are there any um, other characters been a from the Exorcist field. who connect to characters from Hamilton? No. Well, no. the other thing, so he had a daughter, right? And so like Aaron Burr had a daughter, and there's this there's this. So it's two families with a daughter in Hamilton, right? And there's there's that whole song where Hamilton has his uh, son and, and Aaron Burr has his daughter and they're doing that, that, that duet song about their children just post uh, war. Anyway, I mean, I could probably find parallels because there was a time that I was borderline obsessed, uh, but this is not a Hamilton podcast. Maybe <laughs> I should make one. However, on to the movie. So what did so you, before, yeah. What did you think yeah. about the movie? So luckily I went back and listened to the last episode because, because, like, there's a couple things. I, I, I approached it a million different ways. I, I, I iterated on this for a while. I thought about it. What did I really feel? And it kind of dawned on me that it kind of diverged into two different um, ways of thinking about it. Oh. Um, from one aspect is like, how was the movie in general as a standalone? If this wasn't an exorcist movie, okay. if this was just a movie about exorcism and possession, but not in the exorcist universe versus... Um, how is it as a sequel to the movie that was so iconic that we talked about last episode? Okay. And so that helped me frame it. But what did you think about in each of those scenarios? The suspense is killing me. I'm getting there. (laughs) Um, So last episode, I actually asked two questions. I said, what I'm curious about watching this movie is what is this movie bringing 50 years later? Yeah. In reference to like, what is it bringing that's new 50 years later? And then will it play it safe? 
and play off as a normal scary movie of uh, play off of normal scary movie tropes with some exorcist feels or will it be extreme and will bring something unexpected did you feel that it so, played it safe i feel like it kind of just felt like an exorcism movie yeah. uh with yeah. with chris in it chris mcneil um it was kind of standard exorcism it played off of the tropes of the original there was a demon voice there was the scars there was, you know, um, but it didn't bring anything new. Now, I wasn't going trying to throw up in the theater, you know, or vomit or faint or what, all the stuff that people right. that happened to the people in the original. And honestly, it takes a lot probably to shock an audience these days. To, I yeah. mean, I, I don't even know what that looks like. True. But, but yeah, so overall, I kind of, I actually likened my overall rating because you're, you're, you were waiting on it. I kind of looked at it as, as it being a standalone. I, give it the critics i'm sorry no i give it the audience score of 59 i was like decent enough it wasn't a bad horror movie it was it was fine i think you yourself you kind of enjoyed it i think as a movie you know by itself i don't think it was bad um but then i lean more towards the critic score when i when i compare it to the original what which um, what was the critic score it was a 22 percent. pretty bad okay yeah. So and, basically, and, when you have the expectations of an exorcist movie, right, and and you're trying to match the expectations or, or of such an iconic film that like shaped yeah. the horror film industry, yeah, did not deliver. I I think so, and yeah. I think particularly because you and I just got done breaking it down and reading articles and talking about how iconic it was and reminding me, you know, like the generation before ours and stuff. Yeah. Really. So to kind of compare it to the original, right? Because that's kind of, I guess, my idea of it. You take the original movie and it was it was kind of slow paced and it kind of just built up. Right. You saw Reagan kind of develop into this creature, but she was normal sometimes. And then she would do something and she would crawl down the stairs, but then she was back in bed. And then she, you know what I mean? And she mm. slowly developed into the monster in the bed that's completely demon, all mm -hmm. demon. Mm -hmm. um, there was a little bit of a buildup. Uh, this movie was just kind of like no buildup. The kids were gone three days later, fully possessed. Like they're yeah. just doing crazy stuff in the hospital. It's obvious. Yeah. One, I saw this in an article, but one, one mentioned that, you know, she's one of them stabs Chris's eyes out. Right. And doesn't get locked away in some sort of like <laughs> hospital somewhere and somehow is allowed to be taken home. Right. Um, yeah. Big plot. Which, hole. Which honestly, I didn't even catch that, but it was it's pretty, you know. But they were very doing very extreme stuff, uh, and there's an intelligence factor that I think was missing. And so, oh, what do you mean by that? Intelligence of the demon. Oh. So, so in in the original, the demon is doing stuff very strategically. So it moves something, and then says to the priest, and the priest is like, "Did you move that? Do it again." And they're like, "Oh, you know, yeah, I, I, I can't do it." Yeah, they he, the demon killed her friend when no one was around and it was suspicious and no one could tie it to Reagan because the demon, the purpose of the demon is to terrorize people. Right. It's not to kill the host. It's not to, you know, I don't know, rob a grocery store. That doesn't make sense. I don't know where that came from, but it's kind like of the purpose of out there, you know. Yeah, I mean, actually, food demons. Uh, sometimes Sam becomes a demon I when often he's get possessed by food demons. This happens quite that's, often. That's actually fair. Um, and then you actually, but they're not all evil. Sometimes they just mean well, and they—that's uh, true. They're like, I think you want some biscuits right now. That's actually true. 
Yeah. Um, because demon backwards is no med, which means good food. Uh, anyway, back to what I was saying. Uh, no, but but the 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 demon was intelligent and it knew like Reagan isn't. You can't get Reagan locked up in some sort of like facility. We're tormenting people and doing it slowly and strategically. Yeah. Like the demon could have just killed everyone in the room, but didn't. And then, of course, you know, the exorcism happened and Father Karras, uh, Damien, you know, Father Damien took the demon and you yeah. know, jumped out the window. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing about this movie in comparison to the originals. There's no buildup. Three days later, fully possessed. Uh, and, and there was no fading into this full possession. The other part, and I kind of hinted on it when I talked about the different characters. And I'm curious to see your take, right? Because you loved the teamwork. But. The original movie was a joint story between the mom who who part of I think the the pull to that movie is that she's a faithless woman and it doesn't matter evil comes for you whether you believe mm-hmm. it or not. Mm-hmm. And it's her story of dealing with society and dealing with doctors and people who don't believe her daughter's sick. Um but yet her daughter is possessed. And then you have Father Damien who his faith is shook he doesn't really, you know, he's going through all this stuff in his personal life. Sure. We get to learn a lot about him as a person. And then in the end, he goes in and he's the one that saves the day. They are the pivotal characters. Right. And then I compare that to this movie where there's a lot of characters that come in, but I don't really know who they were. His friend that mm. like was trying to get his house cleansed. He was there at the exorcism. I, I don't know what that dude did. I don't know what his name is. Right. I don't really know anything about him. Yeah. Uh, we saw the woman, the uh, the hoodoo, right? And that you mentioned. But we don't really know who she is either. We don't care about her, right? We don't care about almost any of them. Right. Even the Protestant pastor. Like, I know him from a show I used to watch where he played Jiminy Cricket. Uh, but, um, I, but, but we didn't care about him. And the Catholic priest of all yeah. people came out of left field. It's like they assembled the Avengers <laughs> with, uh, with none of the movies prior. It was like it was like the Exorcist Avengers. Yeah. No build up movies. Yep. And now we're like, well, I don't care. I don't know this Iron Man. I haven't seen Iron Man one and two or whatever. Right. right. And so they didn't lay and the then the Catholic work. priest. Yeah. Yep. yep. And then the Catholic priest, yep. uh, you know, we know he's gonna get out of the car and do it, but we didn't care about him. He had no build up. And so when they snapped his neck, yeah, um, or or snacked on his neck, as as you try to say, <laughs> um, we we I didn't care. Um, anyway, I've said a lot. What do you think about that? I, well, no, that's I. So that was, I think, one of the things that when Zach and I were talking about the movie, as we walked out of the theater, I was like, oh, that was so cool that they had like other faiths that were a part of this. And it was like all these things coming together. And his take was that it was too much. It was like, yeah. we're trying to, because we're trying to do a little bit of a lot of different things, none of those things are true to what they actually are. What would have been yep. cooler is if they did, what if they did an entire exorcism movie with just the hoodoo, I don't know what the term is, if it's a pre, pre, uh, priest or practitioner, whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like just a whole thing. And that way we could develop her backstory and we could understand how they interact with um with exorcisms and like how is that ceremony different and what it's yep. different about this demon and just go all in on one thing instead of i think by trying to do a lot of different things it kind of bastardized each one of those things independently and when because he talked about this with the original exorcism what's really cool about that movie is that it is very true to actual catholic doctrine 
and yep. what people report about demons. Of course, they play with some bizarre effects that, mm-hmm. you know, may or may not, depending on what you believe, may or may not be what true accounts of being possessed are like. But right. the essence of the movie was true to Catholic doctrine around yep. holding exorcisms. Whereas in this movie, when you start to look at how everybody was interacting, it was just like, okay, well now this guy's saying the Lord's prayer. And now they're, it was just a hodgepodge of like, it was just, it was a mess. I like your, it was the, it Avengers was. assemble is perfect thing. It was like, it's like the ecumenical Avengers assemble for yeah. the exorcism, but yeah. without laying yep. the groundwork. It's where we actually knew the heroes. Well, and it's interesting that you put that because because I also that was the next thing I was going to say, but then I realized I was stealing all the airtime. But but exactly what you said about the first movie is that it was very true uh, to like actual exorcist guidelines and how that would be in in real world. And so when you talk about this as a direct sequel, it's in the same universe. And if we're going to talk about Marvel and the Avengers, you have to follow mm-hmm. the rules you've set up in prior in, in prior movies, right? Like yeah. he who is worthy picks up the hammer because that person has strong will and is very faithful. He who holds the hammer can exercise the demon. But in this movie, everyone picks up the hammer. They don't require right. the faith. And for the record, for anyone that doesn't track the weird metaphor that I just made, right? In the original movie, as, as Sam mentioned last episode, right? As you mentioned, like only the strongest of faith or strongest willed and strongest of mm. faith are powerful enough to do exorcism. That's why in the first movie, Father Damien wasn't allowed. They they called in uh, Father Marin and then, you know, and Father Damien to assist. And this movie, you know, they said no to the Catholic priest and all these other people. We didn't know that they were strong, strong willed, strong mm. anything. I mean, you had the parents in the room. You had Chris. That was kind of a, oh, see? a weird that would have been interesting is if they had said like, if we had more backstory on the people who were doing the exorcism and we saw like, sure. Oh, yep. this priest. I mean, I guess we did see that he was like conflicted about doing the exorcism because he was told that right. he shouldn't, but really beyond right. that, like we didn't know what kind of a person he was or what his faith was. But if they had shown us that he was a little rocky in his faith, he was just really unsure doubting right. things. Right. But then we meet the hoodoo lady. We realize she's very strong in her faith and they build that up, play that out. And then we see, Oh, he gets his neck snapped. She ends up surviving and helping the exorcism. But you know what I just realized too, literally right now, but they didn't actually success love exorcisms. No, I, I so many, I've done so many exorcisms. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't pass the certification exam. Um, that's true. They didn't actually successfully exercise the demon. No. So they came together. Avengers assemble. And, all that happened was a demon one. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. The plot twist got me. I was like, oh, that okay. was actually a good twist. I kind of saw it. No. Uh, which uh, which, really? which we've we've talked about my superpower that I can see what happens, but I but yeah. I kind of saw that like when he chose her, I was like, it's not that easy. The demon's not mm. gonna let them like let anyone win. You know who wins? The demon. But that I mean that was an interesting way to kind of twist it. But you make that good point that like nothing really even came of it. And so it's worth noting, right, that this is part of a trilogy. It's first of a trilogy. Oh. So there's going to be two more movies. Now, now the guy behind this movie, uh, the director, is the same guy that brought back Michael Myers. We talked about it a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. 
we talked about the the we went through all the timelines in our bonus Halloween episode. Uh, if you didn't listen, go back and take a listen. I talk about the four different timelines of Laurie Strode. But David Gordon Green was the director of the most recent Halloween trilogy, right? Where where Jamie Lee Curtis came back, and so it's interesting that this is a trilogy because I don't remember a lot of that of 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 that trilogy and and how good or bad it was, and we'll probably end up watching part of it or all of it at some point. Um, but one thing that a lot of people did say about the middle one is that, well, it's Michael Myers. If he's coming back for the third one, he's not dying in the middle one. So what makes the middle movie compelling? Or is it just a placeholder? And that's, I think, probably a little bit hard of a, of a venture for a trilogy in general, right? I'm, I'm not a movie maker. But what's interesting about this one is because we know there are three movies, they could have, I don't know how, but like you said, build up some of the characters and like, build up their different storylines and somehow integrate them. Mm. And then maybe an exorcism doesn't even happen in this movie. Right. Maybe what happens is the two girls are together and it's just the parents locked in a room and they go through this psychological thriller of making them choose without right. even talking about exorcism. And then the, 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 the father says, I choose her. And then she ends up being the one that dies and, and that's it. And like, you know, I don't know, some yeah. way that maybe maybe they didn't even need to bring exorcism into this movie because there's two more movies. Yeah. They could build more time on character development. Well, we have to have an exorcism um, in an exorcism movie. <laughs> okay. But I guess you're I, right. No, but but you're but yeah. I see but the, but I see what all, you mean. I, I honestly, yeah. you know what I thought? I liked at the end of the movie, I liked the idea that there was this like coexistence theme where they're like, mm-hmm. we got multiple religions coming together to try and save these two girls. Yep. That's cool. However, what I thought was going to happen, I was like, are they going to do like a champion one religion over another? Like there's the moment where the priest oh. kind of comes in and it's like, yeah. is he supposed to be like Captain America showing up to save the day when everything else failed? Oh, clearly that thought, wasn't like, is the he case. Come in? Yeah. Right. And so maybe that was, maybe they're trying to make that a big twist, but it just didn't land because we didn't care about it. Right. Or I was like, is it going to turn out to be like the hoodoo priestess is going to actually be the one who has the power like i thought maybe that was a twist or some but i mean i also understand how like that would be a very uncomfortable strange movie to make is like competing religions i like obviously the point was not competition it was coexistence but that's true at the end of the day it's like well they didn't even exercise the demon so they're working together (laughs) didn't even wasn't even a win you know it did i don't know well, and I think that that's another interesting point when you're when we tie it back to the original is that I, I, I really like the multicultural exorcism piece. I think that had so much potential, but they just didn't execute it well. And yeah. and but when we're talking about it in the exorcist universe, right, the the original the writer of the original movie book was a Catholic. And so he had personal, and that's why it's so true, is is that like it was based on Catholicism. So I think that if you're going to do it correctly, there's got to be a strong Catholicism foundation here and then build in. Maybe maybe the multicultural aspect doesn't come into the second movie or later on in the movie. But again, they jumped it all in so quick and it it assembled. And I mean, honestly, I'm really curious to see where it goes from here, right? Like what? Like what comes next? Yeah. Well, there's only one daughter left, so I guess she's it. Uh, <laughs> well, also, uh, also talking about character development, right? Uh, that might just be the big check uh, is character development, 
But like Leslie Odom Jr.'s character, we know a lot about him. We care about him very quickly. Yet this is a this is a two possession uh, movie, and the parents of the other girl, we don't really get to know them. They don't feel very compelling. We don't love them. We know that they're yeah. religious and he's not, and that's a, a pretty interesting like diverse, uh, di- you know, uh, diversification between the two families. And you know, I guess like you know, the less developed father, he uh, see, I don't even know his name. Um, you know, he I guess seemed real tough, and he ended up weak in the end. And he said, you know, oh, save my daughter. Um, but we just Leslie Odom Jr. like is like the main character, but there were a lot of characters to include those yeah. other parents. Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm off. I'm off the character development uh, bandwagon. But but I think that the parents also just didn't, it, you know, so. Going back to what you said about it being grounded or rooted in Catholicism, I think that's really interesting because, uh, and actually, the the name of this movie was The Exorcist Believer. And the whole Mm -hmm. point about it, when the original Exorcist, Chris, the actress, she from the beginning, she's like, something is not right. I believe that this girl, something is wrong. And whatever the doctors are telling me, I'm not buying it. This movie, it was the opposite, where the father, Victor, was like, he had lost his faith. He didn't believe in demon. Like, so the whole thing was around him challenging the idea that his daughter was even possessed, which is yeah, true. why I found the first movie not as I didn't personally feel as connected or frightened because I don't necessarily have a strong belief in demons. It's just not something I think right. about on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I just don't really believe in this. So it doesn't get to me, yeah. which this movie kind of turned that around. And mm-hmm. something that's challenging the way that I think about the world is when you read about possessions whether you call it demons or something else it turns out that across many cultures all around the world the idea of a possession is a very common occurrence in human societies so i had i did a ton of reading about this that i wanted to share with you because it's i think it's pretty okay. interesting but yeah. whether you're talking about christianity catholicism or buddhism mm-hmm. uh voodoo Hinduism, Islam, Wicca, Hoodoo, which is the difference between Hoodoo and Voodoo, um, uh, other Native American, African, Southeast Asian traditions, like all over the world, there's different versions of possession. And you remember in the movie, this is a connection to a particular type of ceremony. Mm -hmm. Do you remember in the movie, they had the two girls, they were tied up in the chairs back to back and they had drawn like circles on the floor. They drew like arrows in a circle on the floor, like a counterclockwise motion. So, okay. I actually read about this before the movie. And when I saw it in the movie, I was like, Oh, I know what that is. So this comes from, (laughs) yeah, I know I I felt so smart. I was like, I'm basically (laughs) an exorcism expert at this point. Uh, So this comes from hoodoo. And so hoodoo is a set of practices, traditions, beliefs that was, created by enslaved African-Americans in the Southern United States. Uh, And it it blends um, some traditional African spirituality with Christianity, with some indigenous botanical knowledge. So uh, I think she referred to herself in the movie as a root worker. Okay. So, and she was like, you know, pulling certain, you know, weeds or roots or something in the graveyard. Yeah. So that's what hoodoo is. Anyway, so there's a uh, ceremony in hoodoo where you do there's cl- counterclockwise circle dancing, and the idea okay. is I think it's called ring shouting, ring shouters or something like that. And as you're dancing counterclockwise, you're building up spiritual energy that results in communication with 
your ancestors, and which leads to spirit possession. And in this case, spirit possession is a good thing. Um, when people okay. become possessed by the Holy Spirit, your heart becomes filled with the Holy Ghost, and that purifies your heart and your soul from evil, and it replaces it with joy. Hmm. So in this okay. example, it's like a positive experience. So okay. the ring possessed by joy. Yes. So the ring shout, you would you would go, you know, go around the circle and counterclockwise until somebody was pulled into the center of the ring. It was like a spiritual vortex at the middle. And that's where you'd become possessed and all of your evil would be purged and you would be replaced with joy. Okay. If you Google Congo with a K, Congo Cosmogram, Congo. this is the symbol that we see on the floor. I, I think oh, okay. I think it's a nod to the Congo cosmogram. It's okay. a religious that symbol um, and from Central Africa. It symbolizes the cyclical nature of birth, life, death, and rebirth. Um, it also symbolizes like the rising and the setting of the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we see on the floor. I, I think, based on right. uh, images, I think that's what they set the what they were trying to go for. Yes. Which, yes. which I mean, and so that's impressive, right? Because they were trying to bring a level of like real uh, religion, like fact into it, like the first movie did, right? Like exactly. with Catholicism, Catholicism and, and make it true. Um, but again, you know, they, they, so, so, I mean, they, they put some effort into it, which is, I mean, which I, I guess I would hope that they would do. Right. So yeah. that's interesting. That they that they you know that they brought that in right, um, but where they but they also gone... didn't tell us what it was exactly. You know? Yes, that's what I was going to say. They just put it on the floor. Yes, and so if you didn't know didn't that, didn't even educate us. Yes, yeah. right. So I was like, that would have been cool if they had somehow, you know, the hoodoo priestess had said like, this is what we're going to use, and this is what it symbolizes: it's birth and death and rebirth. And and mm-hmm. instead of them just drawing it on the floor, what if they actually did the ceremony where they're dancing and yeah. moving and you know, the counterclockwise motion and creating this like spiritual energy in the center. They just, you know, just like they kind of included some Catholicism. They just kind of included some, you know, hoodoo yeah. stuff, but didn't really drive it home. You know, yeah. it's, it, this is almost like, it's almost like the horns of exorcism. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. The horns. Just cause you know, there's lots of symbolism and lots of things that could have been, That's maybe so not true. quite. Actually. Maybe not quite the horns of exorcism, but but there was a lot of effort yeah. and a lot of stuff. Yes, that was just kind of missing the just put it all in pieces. there. Yeah, they need yeah. to edit. They need to do some editing. Yeah. Well, I did want to share some really cool things that I learned about spiritual possession because um, okay. this has really nothing to do with the movie itself. But uh, okay. I just went down a rabbit hole, and I thought some of this was really interesting. We both went down rabbit holes, but in divergent directions. In different so directions. Good. So. Um, the first thing is that it's possessions can work in different ways in, depending mm-hmm. on which culture or religion you're talking about. So, um, you know, in the case of the movie, they were trying to do a seance and they essentially invited the demon in. And I guess it just found right. them. And um, yeah, but in yin yang theory, uh, mm-hmm. the idea is that when you have your you have yin and yang in your body and when they're imbalanced and when yin is on the dominant side that means that you're experiencing weakness and the spirits which are part of the yin side can then take control of that imbalance and take control of that weakness more easily um Mm -hmm. 
There's also a belief that uh, when you're sick, illness can be due to this. Isn't it's just this just says some Chinese. I don't know how how we're delineating who which Chinese believe this, but some Chinese believe that illness uh, can be due to possession of an evil yin spirit. Um, oh, okay. Some other causes could be if you died unexpectedly, or if you, uh, if you're, if you have died, but your family isn't worshiping you. You know, in some cultures, oh, worship or yeah. remembrance of your ancestors is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you didn't follow certain ideals of piety uh, or ancestral so, reverence, you could be a couple. So, are all the yin spirits bad spirits, or are there good yin spirits? I don't know. I don't know that. And what about like? What about like Yang spirits? Are there Yang spirits? Maybe. I didn't get that uh, far. <laughs> you know, well, I'm asking you questions knowing that you probably that that it probably, you know, but anyway. I can tell you that there are cases of good spirits. And one of right. them, not yin, but in Islamic culture, jinn, which is related oh. to the word with the anglicized genie. version of genie. Yes. Yeah. Because um, I've watched all my Marvel TV shows. There you go. Uh, so jinns and Islamic, some Islamic cultures, as I'm pulling this from the internet too, this is all indirect, uh, research. Um, jinns are made, you you didn't know this already, Hmm. believe it or not. My demonology, uh, degree is not complete. (laughs) Yeah. It's work in progress. It's It's a work in progress. Um, you'll have it by season five, by season five, maybe. (laughs) Um, so jinns are made of fire and air. They're invisible. Mm -hmm. They can possess your body, but they're not always evil or harmful. They might okay. be in love with you. Oh, nice. they can even nice. um, engage in Wait sexual affairs and produce offspring. I have something to say, but go ahead and finish your thought because because I think that's I think, a, that's my thought about gins. What's your thought? So does it say? So that's all it said. Because I was thinking, do they sometimes pose as AC repairmen? <laughs> because maybe there was a gin in your house. There might have been, to be there honest. There might have been a gin. Um, uh, anyway. If you don't uh, remember this story, I just had this guy. Wait, why was I telling? I don't remember the connection to the movie. I don't know. It was actually a movie about, like, uh, I think that was, I don't remember what episode, but it was one about possession and someone possessing your thoughts. And you had, like, a hot AC man come to your house. Yeah. You told this whole story. And then, and then I was like, and that directly relates to The Conjuring or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, he yeah, could have you been embarrassed yourself in front of the gin. This is a little bit controversial and probably not real demonology. And some people could argue <laughs> not even real religion. But there's some folks who, when they think about um, like homosexuality, they're like they attribute yeah. that to possession or other things. Like this is really bad. But uh, let me let me find this note. So there was a guy. This was recent. This was September of t- last year, 2023. A okay. Baptist a Baptist minister in Missouri <laughs> gave a sermon where he basically said that having autism was like being possessed. He basically was like, "God doesn't make mistakes." Oh God! Yeah, the whole big thing. He was like on a school board. They had to ask him to resign. They're like, "You can't say that." And then he tried to justify it in a follow-on sermon. Very cringy. Terrible. So, so I have to. I had something I was saving to the end, but I have to bring this up. Um, that is that is crazy that that is happening to this day, right? That is crazy that that's still happening. Um, but there was an article the New York Times published just recently at the time of recording this at the 50-year anniversary of The Exorcist, right? So mm-hmm. uh, 
And it was it was called Ex- The Exorcist at 50, How One Horror Movie Shocked the World. Um, and it had a bunch of articles from the 1970s when this movie came out and also some modern articles um, about how people have viewed it. Um, and one in particular caught my interest and it directly relates to what you were just talking about. Oh, um, but also it relates to the person telling this story who wrote this article is someone who his view of the movie, the exorcist is a hundred percent based on the things that were going on in his life at the time and his experiences. Like, so I read this. Possessed? No, I, I'll get there. Oh. Um, but <laughs> I liken it to like the Midsommar episode. You were so impacted by that movie and you gave it an eight because of the emotions it brought to you because of the parallels from the previous relationship you'd been in. Mm. It was so bad. And then you, you know, you seeing those parallels with Danny. And I think you, uh, I like, you know, I don't think I've psychoanalyzed you yet this season. So I think you. <laughs> yeah, we haven't um, had therapy with Chris and Sam yet. We, we haven't but... had therapy. Um, so, so I think you particularly have to find something to connect to. And I think like The Exorcist, I think you respected it for what it was, but you didn't have anything to connect to. You know, you're like, oh, I don't believe in demons. Yeah. I'm not a mom of a possessed child. Right. I, You know, like, like, where do I connect? Whereas I think that I am better at just kind of like. You can suspend disbelief and just yeah, embrace and, and it. And find a place. Yeah. And so again, so like Midsommar, right? You connected with it. And that's why it was so impactful and you gave it something. Uh, but anyway, so back to this article. I'm just going to do a lot of paraphrasing, right? It was, mm-hmm. it was pretty long, but, but I, I, I read this and I was like, I have to bring this uh, to this episode. So uh, the article I want to focus on was titled The Exorcist is a Subversively Queer Movie. Um, oh. Yeah. Talking about the original, right? This is not, this is not the Exorcist Believer. Yeah. Um, and it was and written by Eric. this was published in the 70s? No, this is new. It's a new oh, article. Oh, oh, okay. It's part of this like, Part of this like big New York Times article. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a date associated, but this is a recent. Uh, uh, it looked like a new article, mm-hmm. uh, so a recent article. Um, so it was by Eric Pippenberg. So he starts out talking about kind of what we all know about horror movies, right? In horror movies, the otherness is what's terrifying. Otherness, right? In quotes, mm-hmm. being like, no matter what the villain is, right? It could be a, a Michael Myers. It could be, you know, some creature that reaches up out of the earth, like a cabin in the woods. It could be. A, a giant ant, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm right now I'm drawing a blank, but of all the horror movie villains, right. Um, they're all monsters in one form or another. The things that are outside the otherness is, is, you know, they're all monsters. So he goes into talking about, he saw the exorcist in the eighties in a drive-in uh, with his father. His father took him to see it in the eighties. He was a very religious teenager. Um, and is and in his own words, uh, a teenage closet case, mm. right. So he's he's growing up in the 80s, very religious and in the closet. And so his outlook on this movie was solely like derived from how he felt at the time in society in that situation. Oh, and wow. so um, what he would take away from this movie, as we saw, right, is that the exorcist is about a child being consumed by an entity that the church is called on to excise. He calls oh, uh, he, he calls it a hideous intersection of metaphorical queerness and real trauma that sounds a lot like conversion therapy. Oh my God, it's his gay demon. It's his gay demon that the church was like, we can fix you. Yeah. Um, and then he takes it one more wow. when he talks about his personal experience. So he says as a religious teenager in the 80s, he himself 
legitimately thought that God was mad at him for liking other boys. Uh, the only way to treat this quote unquote abomination, right? He believed was to besiege God and make himself go straight. Uh, and then he has, and then he, he notes, he's like, I tried and I failed. Yeah. Um, right. Cause that's not <laughs> no right. amount of holy water um, can cure this. <laughs> no, no amount of holy water. Yeah. Uh, and then he wraps up the article by saying, because of this experience, he roots for the demon when he watches that movie. Wow. Yeah. Right. So like this movie that we broke down and so iconic, but like, his personal experiences and how what he took away. So as he sees it, Reagan was not just some innocent girl overcome by a demon. She was a young woman with new rage who gave a voice to queer people who were tired of being told that they were sick and needed to be cured. Wow, that is crazy. I mean, that makes total sense. Like when you said when you said for him, it's like a queer movie. I was like, wait a minute, what are the connections? Here? Yeah, but yeah. as soon as you spelled it out, I was like, oh my god, that's really powerful perspective of looking at this movie that it's like the idea that there's something wrong with you and that it's coming from somewhere else uh that you're being possessed i mean people we use that we use that word all the time we throw it away we're like oh these are just my inner demons you know like but, but that's substituting for anger or shame or you know being really really hungry whatever the emotion is or the experience yeah, that you're yeah. having so and and the, tying it back into a lot of the you know when i read about all of these cultures around the world who have these different forms of possessions what i what i wonder is why why does yeah. every human society have some version some explanation of something else coming in and taking over your body and i think it's it's one of those things of like is there something wrong with me that I want to attribute to an external factor or my behaving right, to where differently? It's not my fault. To where it's is not it, my fault. Oh boy. I, I, well, but it's also interesting though, right? Cause we could get in a whole philosophical debate about that or not yeah. debate, but discussion. I don't think we, I, we'd probably see eye to eye on most of it, but, but like just religion, organized religion in general, there's always this like need or, or yearning to believe in something bigger and greater, you know? And then, so like there's, there's, a bigger discussion to be had there, but then also, so when you can't explain something, right, it's kind of to, to take it back to Thor. Uh, he said what you would call magic, we call science or something oh, like that yes. in the first Thor movie. Yes. But it's like the unexplained, it's like if an airplane flew over a, a sky in 1805, someone would like think that some sort of wizardry was happening. Right. Yeah. So like you need to provide some sort of legitimacy to the things you can't explain. And so uh, maybe religious people are like, oh, my God, this must be this must be demons. You you're abnormal. You're not like the rest of us. Uh, So you must be possessed. Um, It's crazy. And I mean, human nature is is a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to hear some some of the different reasons around the world why people get possessed? Yeah. Some of these are funny, actually. Okay, good. So um, uh, this is maybe not a comprehensive list, but um, in Judaism, mm-hmm. uh, a soul can, uh, what do they call it? Tra- trans, um, I forgot what it's called. A soul can inhabit a victim until it's accomplished a task or atoned for its sin, kind of like reincarnation. Um, okay. So that's one reason. Like I haven't finished my life. I haven't finished something. I got to come back. Right. So I just got to jump in real quick. Just jump in. I didn't get it. Get it in and out. Now I can go. Now I can go. Yeah. Move on to the next one. Um, there's uh, a belief in Indonesia that demons 
envy humans for their physical body because they don't they're just made of fire apparently okay. um but so yeah, I they think that, that i think that's been seen in like movies and things i think that there's been like you know you've seen that reflected in in movies probably yeah i feel like i can't think of what movie but i'm pretty sure i've seen movies where it's like you know them wanting the physical form like spirits that are that are no longer like they yearn for the physical form uh, and so yeah i think there's even like like alien movies where aliens don't have a physical form so they try to like use us as as means vehicles right for yeah for, for their existence anyway okay I'm getting off track no no this is good and th- this is where it starts to get really good um tamil women in india are said to experience possession by spirits called paye paye uh, and they're usually possessing new brides and they usually identify as ghosts of <laughs> they usually identify as ghosts of young men who died <laughs> while romantically or sexually frustrated. <laughs> so <laughs> they were like, I died while I was sexually frustrated, so I need to possess a young bride and do something about it, <laughs> I guess. That's that's weird, but okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's strange. Um and then two more. There's um in, in Roman Catholicism, uh, mm. fallen angels or demons can possess someone okay. um, without the victim's knowledge or consent. And this is what we see in these movies. It leaves the person morally blameless. They can just be like, yo, Got it wasn't it. me. It was the demon. Yeah. Which I'm like, hang on a minute. That seems like an unfair out, right? You can just kind of stab yeah. the lady's eyeballs out and be like, oh, I didn't do it. Facts. It was the demon. Facts. <laughs> there's, I think there's an interesting story there, right? Like you could, you could create a story where um, someone is actually faking being possessed and they turn out to be crazy. I don't know. I don't know what that story looks like, but, but, but like you said, I think that that's a way to explain the unexplainable. Yeah. That's how I explain my unexplainable behavior. I just say I was possessed. That, yeah. I mean, we know. Well, this is my favorite one. Uh, the Sadama people of Southwest Ethiopia and Wait, the Saddam Hussein people. No, the Sadama people. Oh, Sadama. Oh, okay. Of Southwest Ethiopia and the Digo people of Kenya believe that uh, or women, it's usually women in this culture who are possessed. And when they get possessed, they demand in order to alleviate their conditions, they demand luxury goods. <laughs> okay. Now it does say that men can also be possessed by these demons. Um, it also says that women are sometimes accused of faking possession. However, <laughs> the men are never accused of faking it. Uh, well, it turns out that we have a certain producer that's probably been possessed with that that <laughs> demon for a while. Uh, oh, no. Uh, I've never wanted luxury goods. Uh, so <laughs> I want definitely... What would what would be your if you what would be what would be your cure to being possessed? Your like convenient like, possession. What what do you mean? Well, for me, it would probably be like um either food or sex. I'd be like, the only way to cure my possession is to feed oh. me or have sex with me. Those are that's how oh, okay. I, so like what would be like if I had to set something you're like, that is your like, wink wink this, convenient possession. I'm possessed. The only way to cure it is <laughs> I, you know what? I'm just too selfless. Just I don't need selfless. anything. Yeah. I think, you know what? You know what, Sam? I actually got this. I got this. The one thing that would cure me is just the people around me just, you know, being happy. 
Hang on. I've, do you remember in that movie when she vomits the green pea vomit? <laughs> That's what I'm going to go do right now. Which, hey, <laughs> that was missing from The Exorcist Believer. We didn't get any vomit, did that, we? No pea soup. Also, I'm glad you brought us back to pea soup because I forgot to say this earlier because you were talking about being exorcism certified. And it reminded me of, again, The Conjuring because, you know, that was a possession exorcism. And in that episode, you talked about getting exorcism certified. And you said, but what if I... Because we we were talking about how you were going to get CPR exorcism certified yes, and yes. it was chest compressions and then breaths, and you were like, "What oh, if I was giving right. someone breaths and the demon and went vomited into my in my face. body?" Yeah. Oh, but what yes. if you were doing? Yeah. But what if you were doing that and then they vomited the green stuff? In that's gross. That you, <laughs> that was the whole build up for you to suggest. <laughs> yeah, what I just wanted to gross you out. Well, it didn't work. If it was, um, I mean, if it was like good pea soup like a split pea soup situation actually that's i figured it out if i were possessed <laughs> first of all that is that is pretty gross uh, like, that's gross <laughs> but um i do love a good pea soup like a split pea with ham or something yeah. like like some black pepper like there's some carrots in it yeah. like that's my jam split pea with ham that's my jam that's what i would say yeah i'm always like hey fam can i get some split pea with ham that's my jam all right that was it that was saying. your hamilton attempt and now we're done. that's what i always say <laughs> yeah sure. so i have one more thing that i want to bring up uh and then we can you know we can kind of wrap up rate the movie and and, and and see if if sam gives it his star of approval um but again, when I went down the rabbit hole and I was kind of reading about about the re- Exorcist and then how this played as a sequel and trying to find information, uh, which, you know, I normally don't dig into rabbit holes. I kind of let you do that piece. But I was just really interested um, from iconic movie to just less iconic movie. I came across an article from Red, regmovies.com. I think it's like tied to re- Regal Cinemas. I'm not really sure. Um, but it, it talked about an interview where Stephen King interviewer article where Stephen King had identified what he considered the three types of horrors. Uh, and I thought oh. this was actually, I'm surprised we haven't found this before, but I, it might even be good for us to like call back to this for, for future episodes. But, but Stephen King says there are three levels of horror, the gross out horror in general and terror. So these are the mm. elements that allow the genre to be diversively shocking and hypnotizing. Um, for him, in the way he writes, but then also in the cinema. Wait, so, so a quick definition: again. gross out, horror, gross out, and horror, and terror. terror. Okay. Yeah. So, gross out is exactly what you'd expect, right? It's the act of physically revolting your audience. Excess blood, grotesque animation. The someone, Megan, ripping the ear off the body, peeled. the fingernail coming off, and Candyman. Yeah. Uh, and in the for Exorcist. the Exorcist, yeah. For, for the original Exorcist, the green pea vomiting—that's the gross out, mm. right? Uh, he also considers that the lowest tier because it's kind of the easiest, right? It takes mm. the last, least amount of like... Intellect, work. yeah. Intellect, yeah. Uh, so the next tier, second tier is the horror. Uh, and that's the graphic portrayal of the unbelievable. So it occurs when the audience is faced with something that strikes up genuine fear, typically caused mm. by the sight of something so implausible or unnatural that their minds struggle to grasp what they're seeing. I think that you struggle to be... Um, taken back by horror in this definition because when you see it, you're like, mm, not that's real. Not real. <laughs> and honestly, for me, there's nothing so shocking these days, right? Um, that I think that, that really captures people. Now, in reading, right? And when you're describing something in a book, I think that's a lot easier because you describe something that you can see 
and your imagination plays a part, right? But an example of this would be spiders that are giant size, the bears or the dead waking up and walking. So like zombies in general, right? Like yeah. it's like when you try to conceptualize that being real, I think that's hard. And again, in today's day and age, because we're not kind of shocked by anything. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, cause I mean, I can think of specific examples of something that induced horror in me, but it's when I was like right. 14 years old and I had never seen anything like this before. And I saw it for the first time and it was like, Oh my God, that's so shocking. But now, yep. you know, at 35, we've, we've just, we've seen more this, these movies have been out. Like it's just less shocking. So does that mean because I've been overexposed that the, the, I wonder if other people, no matter how many times you're exposed to it, you still find horror in it or if it, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and I think that like her running down the stairs backwards, my mom seeing that when it came out in the new movie in the, you know, 2000, I think that was horror for her because she saw it. It's shocking. It's unbelievable. She'd imagined it. So that was horror and it's, and it like burned into her brain. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's, you know, that's, that was horror, but that's harder. That's harder to capture these days. And finally, the highest tier, and I think this will directly align with how you and I uh, rated some of the scariest stuff, aside from the ones that gave you emotional distress, um, is the terror. So according to King, the highest, and as he explains, worst, right, level of fear is terror. This is where the master of horror shines the most, where the induction of fear is solely caused by the imagination, right? So we always said, it's what you can't see that scares you the most, right? So, so when you don't see the witch on top of the cabinet, mm. but there's something I'm, I'm calling back to the conjuring, right? But we know there's something behind the door. Paranormal activity is exactly it. Like you hear sounds from the hallway, but you can't mm. see it. And then your imagination starts running wild. And then it just scares the shit out of you. Did um, you and, watch yeah. last spooky season, the Netflix show, the fall of the house of Usher? I have not. I've heard about it. Oh, okay, um, I won't. Spoil but I, but it. I haven't got a chance to watch it. But that there's there was one episode. I mean, it's it's a spooky show, but it's not necessarily it's not a scary movie. I mean, it, I don't know if right. you would call it scary or not. I guess it is scary. But there was one episode with that I specifically remember getting really like there was build up happening to an event at the end of the episode. And I was getting really like nervous, like my yeah. heart rate was going up, the adrenaline. And I was like, ah, and it once the thing happened, I was like, I could take it. It was like, oh, gosh, that, that happened. Yeah, that's eh, kind of gruesome. But it was all of the buildup where my mind was like, I knew something was coming. I knew yep. something was coming, but I didn't know what. So I started spinning around. I was like, it's going to be this, gonna be that. It was just something that happened to this character. Something going to happen to that character. Like, oh, what's it? that was what was the scary part. It just your point about it being oftentimes it's what you don't see that is the yep. scariest. That's yep. what got my heart rate going. And that's the terror. And that's what got us an 11 last season. And honestly, we both agreed on it. Mm -hmm. The conjuring, the jump scares. Mm -hmm. That's, I don't know where that falls, right? Because the jump scares is kind of just catching you by surprise. So none mm. of these categories really capture surprise. Well, I feel um, like the point, the point of, I would say the point of jump scares is to terrorize people. It's a loud noise, yeah. right? It's terrorizing. Yeah, that's true. Like, ah. That's true. And you don't know what's happening yet. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Um, you had sent me a, you had sent me an article recently that was like scariest movie of all time by science. And they had two, um, two factors, resting heart rate and peak heart rate, right. For jump scare. So they right. factored that in. Um, but anyway, so those are the three kinds of terror or I'm sorry, horror, uh, per Stephen King. So he always tries to do a balance of the three. So I kind of talked about how the original exorcist did it. Um, you know, a little bit of all of it, 
but but when we compare it to the new one, um, you know, there's a little bit of gross out. There's some blood. There's some, you know, they make them look gross. Right. Uh, and the rest is all just kind of horror. You know, it's all just like they present yeah. them in weird, twisted ways. Um, there's a couple jump scares, but they're kind of cheap. Like, oh, there's a snake under the sure. rock. Or, oh, she's hiding. And she just, um, I noted like two jump scares. Um, and so it's oh, an interesting snake, way to kind of come. The snake was the scariest part for me. I definitely it, jumped. Yeah. No, I did too. We we both jumped. We were in the we were there and we both were like, oh. Shit. And I'm not scared of snakes. Like it had nothing to do with the snake. It was just the loud noise. They of just the set moment. up. Yeah. Yeah. They just set up a good jump scare. Um, but it's an interesting way to compare the two because notably, mm-hmm. I think you could find all three in the original. This one was just kind of um, some gross out. They tried some horror, but it mm-hmm. honestly didn't feel very horrorful. Um, which really leads us to what we thought overall for the movie. So, so I think I know where we're going with this, um, but what, what's your scare rating for this movie? Uh, I'd probably give this like a four. Okay. Maybe and that might be being generous. Yeah. I maybe, yeah, maybe I would have to see where it falls with the rest of them. But, um, and then, and then I guess like stamp of approval, you notice I changed the language because would you recommend it? Cause hopefully at this point everyone's watched it, but <laughs> like stamp of approval, recommended for for a watch what what do we think i mean this isn't really my jam to begin with yeah um and if they had i liked i liked what they were attempting to do with the coexistence of multiple religions i like the idea but i don't think they hit a home run i don't think they nailed it and so it's not one that i'd say oh my god you got to go watch this it's going to make you think it's you're going to really experience these you know other approaches to exorcisms it was just like i don't know it was fine yeah that's that's kind of how i feel i'm i mean now i'm kind of invested i kind of want to see where they go when the next one comes out i'll watch it Mm -hmm. um and 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 they have some time to hopefully come back from this if it's if, if you know as long as they still make the other two um i think they have an ability to to kind of learn their lesson from it there's a million articles uh, I didn't even talk about it, but I noted a couple of them, like articles that came out about this one from Polygon that said was what possessed the director to make this movie. <laughs> uh, BBC said uh, Exorcist Believer Review, a cheesy ripoff. Uh... And then even Screen Rant said the new Exorcist trilogy already looks doomed. Right. So, yeah, I think that if I think that if they haven't started making the other two movies and they really read some of these articles, uh, that talk about the same things you and I talked about, the unfaithfulness to the universe and this and that, and and really kind of take a step back. There's opportunity here. I would love for them to to say, okay, well, well we missed the mark on some stuff. How do we fix it for the next two? If they're going to make them, right, make them good. Yeah. Um, so if the next one's great, go back and watch this one. Yeah. Otherwise, maybe, maybe leave it. Maybe what leave it. The, so, what you think about the very, very ending when they reunited Reagan and Chris. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't like how did Reagan know after 20 or something or 30 years or however long it's been since she released the book that her mom was in the hospital. Do you think that her mom's emergency contact information was still up to date and that she had Ra- she didn't know how she, she didn't have contact with Reagan. She didn't have her cell phone number. Yeah. Unless but also, Chris well, could like sense what was happening with the demon. Uh, the demon. Yeah, I just put a D at the end of the word. Know. That's not. Well, we're, uh, plot hole aside, in the moment when we were watching it in the theater, I 
I liked it. I was like, oh, that's yeah. really sweet. Because when we didn't see Ray, I mean, we don't see Reagan during the movie. Yeah. Victor goes to her house. Reagan's not there. We never see Reagan. And, yeah. and there's this whole backstory around, oh, we don't talk anymore. And I don't even know where she is. And my assumption mm-hmm. was they needed to explain why she's not in the movie. And they probably just couldn't get the actress. Right. So when she did yeah. show up at the end, I was like, oh, it's her. Oh, that's really sweet. That's cool. Afterwards, though, after I had some time to kind of think about it, I was like, that felt kind of gratuitous. It was like, that was a sweet moment. I felt good experiencing it. Yeah. But was the was that the point of the movie? feel good at the end <laughs> yeah it's well and i think i think one of their big flaws and i don't know this right but it, it feels like they went into it knowing that they were making two more movies so where where they could have pushed some of the other stuff off to other movies they were probably like oh and at the end of this one it's like mm-hmm. a cliffhanger right it's like an easter egg we're bringing reagan back oh. so what's that mean for the i don't know Maybe. but reagan's not a demonologist either so like you know what would have been interesting if they brought Reagan back and then somehow it's the same demon. And then I don't know, maybe she gets possessed again. I don't, I don't right, know. Right. Or you she want to do a callback exercise possessed it. 50 years later. Yeah. Um, like if she showed up to the exorcism and she was like, I know you, you get out. Yeah. Well, and then know. maybe, and here's the thing. And then maybe, maybe like they're upstairs, the demon jumps into her. She throws herself out the window. And kills herself like father, uh, the, like the same way that she was saved. I don't know. Now we're literally <laughs> just like going off. Um, the, all that to say, not a horrible movie, not the worst movie we've ever watched. No, but you know this 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 is this season's a hit or miss. You know we're this we're calling this the hit or miss season. Um, but I'm excited to tell you what's coming up next if oh, and when you are ready. Yeah, hell yeah. Hey, everybody. If you are enjoying Scary Movie Fright Night, which I know you are, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us a rating or a review. Now back to the episode. Okay, so the last couple episodes, we went into exorcism, you know, very deep uh, Catholicism and religion. And and I know I kind of knew that watching a 1970s movie like wasn't going to be your jam, Um, but we had to watch it. It was good for education. It was good for discussion. But uh, but. I decided the theme for this week is going to be something completely different. Oh my gosh, just tell me what it is. (laughs) Hold on. That is guaranteed to fine. The theme for (laughs) your selection today is comedy horror. What? We're doing comedy? Oh my gosh. We are doing horror movies that are known for um, making you laugh. So it's not all comedy, but they're horror movies that are funny. Okay. Okay. Um, so they are not, scary. Not, they they do. They, yes, they are horror movies. Okay. They're not like parodies, right? So it's not like scary mm. movie, which you right, brought right, a couple right. times, right? Which is a full on parody. Right. But they are actual horror movies oh that came up on a couple lists of like funny movies. A couple of them, maybe I've seen all of them. I don't even know what they are anymore. Just kidding. But uh, a couple of them I don't even remember actually being funny. Uh, at least one I definitely remember. Like, okay, this is uh, this is funny. So um, but anyway. Yeah, comedy horror. So no matter yeah. what, you're, uh, whether the movie is good or bad, it'll all be laughable. So you're ready for the first one? Yes. Okay, so here is what the first movie is about. In the world of hot cuisine, a prestigious and exclusive restaurant stands as a pinnacle of a dining experience. Set in a remote location, it offers a meticulously curated menu that caters to the whims and desires of the elite. When a young couple secures a coveted reservation at the restaurant, 
they were drawn into an extraordinary culinary journey filled with intricate dishes and a myriad of flavors. However, they soon discover that there's more to this dining experience than meets the eye. As they navigate the gastronomic maze, they uncover a world of intrigue, hidden agendas, and culinary secrets that could alter their lives forever. Okay, so I know I haven't seen this movie, but I'm, I think I might know what it is. Hmm, maybe. Is it, maybe you do. Is it the movie with don't. Voldemort in it? Uh, I, first of all, I don't even know who's in it, and I'm not telling you anything until you uh, choose your movie. Okay, okay, okay. Let's hear, let's hear what the second one is. Okay, okay. And also, wouldn't that be fitting if Voldemort and Harry Potter were both in this season? Also, <laughs> yeah. I actually don't know who's in this movie because I don't have the information in front of me. Have you seen it? Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you. Oh, okay, fine. Until you pick the movie. <laughs> okay. The second movie... Uh, Go something like this. In a secluded cabin in the woods. Okay, okay, okay. Now, before we keep going, I know, I know, okay? It's not Cabin in the Woods. Uh, but we know there's lots of movies that have Cabin in the Woods. That would be funny if I actually brought back a movie you'd already just seen. Just watch it again. <laughs> yeah. It had uh, funny that moments. Also, it had funny moments, but that's not like, you know, on a comedy list. Although mm. I think it did pop up on one list. I digress. Okay. In a secluded cabin in the woods, a young man and his girlfriend find themselves tormented by a sinister and ancient presence. As a malevolent force closes in, he must confront the horrors that threaten to consume him. Alone, desperate, and with a growing sense of dread, he embarks on a harrowing journey to combat the evil that haunts the cabin. But not everything is as it seems, and the lines between reality and nightmare begin to blur. Ooh. Okay. Another- Very compelling. Another cabin situation. Uh, I feel like they give something away here. Again, I say they. It's not like I I obviously had something to do with this. But like a young man and his girlfriend. But then the second paragraph starts with alone, desperate, with a growing sense of dread. <laughs> I have a feeling his girlfriend probably doesn't make it very long. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, okay. or or chat GPT did me wrong. Um, who's to say? So and their whole thing is just that they're alone in the woods and there's an ancient. They're in the cabin being. In the cabin. Alone, desperate. Yeah, there's a there's evil surrounding the cabin in the woods. Mm. Lines between reality and the nightmare begin to blur. Mm. Um, You know, it might consume him. I'm really just reusing words that were in the... Yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. What's the third one? Let's round it out. Okay, third one. Third one. Grace, a newlywed, enters a world of privilege when she marries into the La Domas family, known for their eccentric wedding night tradition. Little does she know that this playful game holds much darker consequences. As the night progresses, Grace becomes involved in a deadly game of hide-and-seek within the family's sprawling mansion. With her life on the line, she must navigate the labyrinth of secrets and betrayal within the family's ranks, all while trying to stay one step ahead. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Pretty pretty diverse uh, selection of Yeah, movies. yeah. Yeah, a lot of diversity here. Um, so yeah. she's a newlywed. I know which one I want you to pick. Oh, of course you do. Uh, She's a newlywed. I wonder if she was possessed by that newlywed demon of... She was. She only got married because she was possessed. Sexually frustrated. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Okay. I'm going to eliminate the second one because it's just... I mean, it's just not popping. I feel like the first one... Was that the one Such that you a wanted me to opportunity. pick? Is that the one you wanted Such me to a pick? Opportunity. No, keep going. Ah! <laughs> okay, the food they, one. I, I want to see all three of these. I've seen two of them. I want to see all three of them. But anyway, go ahead. The food one. So I love 
top chef. I love food. I love watching. Mm-hmm. Like I love we know. restaurants and like good, you know, I love food. So that one, yeah. but so this is my dilemma. If I choose that one, is it going to ruin that for me? Oh, it might. Oh. I don't know though. I, I I honestly don't know. I haven't seen that movie. So I actually can't give you. I don't remember what that one is called, but if it's the one I remember that I've seen previews for, it's with the actor who plays Voldemort as well as, ah, I can't remember who else is in it, but it looks, mm. it's if, from what I remember from previews, it's intriguing. It's different. It's a totally different type of scary movie. So I'm okay. very curious about that one, but the third one sounds funnier, to be honest. A newlywed playing hide and seek game when her in her rich family's mansion it just sounds mm. <laughs> like ridiculous so are you going for the funniest one or the most intriguing one like what's your well that's my dilemma okay okay <sighs> will you tell me what year they came out no no Dang no. It. <laughs> okay okay i'm just going to I mean trust, I will once you pick i'm going to trust my gut yep and go oh, with oh and go with the food one, the first one, the food one. Yeah, well, that's the only one I haven't seen. Well, there you so, go, and it's not the one you want. Congratulations to, to me. Yep. So the first one that I read to you, uh, which is the one you picked, I'll, I'll tell you what that one is last. So the okay. one that you eliminated first, yeah, Cabin in the Woods, was Evil Dead Two. Oh, wow. which is the super campy but also very gory 1987 Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell. 7 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm sorry, 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7 out of 10, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I, th- I thought it was a good opportunity to throw a campy, super campy, silly uh, Evil Dead movie in there. Oh. Um, but, but I had a feeling you'd eliminate it because it was Cabin in the Woods. Um, <laughs> the other movie is Ready or Not, came out in 2019. Hmm. Anyway, so the movie <laughs> you selected for today, I don't know why I'm focusing on the other ones. So you picked The Menu, the which menu. is a very fitting title. It actually is the one, the newest movie came out in 2022, directed by Mark Malad, written by Seth Reese and Will Tracy, starring Ralph Phineas, yep, uh, Anya Taylor Joy, Anya Taylor Joy, and Nicholas Holt. Oh, Nick Holt! Uh, Seth, yeah, nice. Nick Holt. I don't know who that is. You don't know who Nick Holt? The, the great. Uh, he was in. He played um, J.R.R. Tolkien in the Tolkien movie. Mm-hmm. I think. He's done a ton of stuff. Oh, that guy. He played uh, Cyclops in the in the younger yes. generation of um, X-Men. Yes. Okay, I do know him. Yep. He okay. played the kid in About a Boy. I haven't seen that. Oh, it's a cute movie. Yeah, well, you should make a list of movies I need to watch. Uh, and then I will. you can read the synopsis and I will decide. Um, so yeah, so good job. You picked the menu and we're all going to menu up no we're gonna we're gonna pack our plates and scare our fate fates yeah dates we're gonna pack our plates and scare our dates that's (laughs) what we're gonna do for the menu there we go oh man long episode thanks for joining us we're all done lots of exorcism thanks for joining us for our first double feature that was fun it was educating um and you know it was it was a fun experience we'll have to do it again sometime yes let's double down yeah you want me to close this out? Um, sure, if you want to. Okay. Thanks for listening. Go leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you listen. That helps us reach more followers, and you can tell us how you feel about the show. But only leave a rating if it's going to be a five-star rating. Otherwise, we don't want to yep. hear it. 
That's true. Just you can, kidding. You can text Sam on the side. His number is. Sam, what do you think? What do you think um, Captain Catholic Priest would say if he was trying to get the religious Avengers together? Religious Avengers assemble, uh, and then and then their all their necks would turn around. Oh, wait a minute, was his neck turning around a callback to the original? Maybe, but he died, so it wasn't really. 